I could get the right switch on. I'm glad to be here, and uh, man, it's just, it's already been good to be here. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to preach this morning or not, but I think I'm going to go ahead and do it, amen? <laughs> I want to go ahead and have you uh, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50 this morning. I'm going to preach about a man who the Bible never records where he sinned. And you automatically think, well, that's Jesus, right? You, you, that's, that's what you would automatically think. And, and no doubt the person I'm going to preach on this morning did sin, but the Bible never records it. But we have a, a story this morning about a man named Joseph. And I grew up reading about Joseph and his coat of many colors, but there's far more to the story than that. Amen? So if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, if you'll stand honor the reading of God's Word, Genesis chapter 50, in verse 20, I'm going to read one verse and then we're going to pray and we're going to get right into the word. The Bible says this, he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you, Lord, for just being among us this morning. God, and I just pray that as we go into the, the preaching, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would continue to have dominion in this service. And God, that you would just continue to touch people's hearts. And Lord, as, as weak as we are, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here. God, we thank you, Lord, for the turnout of people that, that are here. God, and I just pray that you give protection this morning. And Lord, that you would just bless as only you can. Father, please use me as your vessel. God, help me to preach your word. And God, I'll do my very best to honor you. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of mind. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach, with the Lord's help, 12 chapters of the book of Genesis this morning. And, and as you all know, in my Wednesday night class, I actually preach verse by verse. So this might take a while. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to try to usually divert from how I usually preach. I usually just preach in, a, in an expository manner, a verse at a time. But I'm going to give you an overview. This man, Joseph, he touches my heart. See, Joseph is the great-grandson of the man Abraham. And, and many of you know who Abraham is. And, and if you don't, then, then we can talk about that later, may preach on him later. But Abraham is the man that is considered the father of the Jewish people. And so if you go down four generations, you have Abraham, and then you have his son Isaac. And then you go down another generation from Isaac, and you have Jacob, who is Joseph's father. Now, anybody in here, just, just a quick little question, kind of an odd question. Does anybody think that you have a dysfunctional family? I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of a funny question. And everybody in here is probably like, yeah, my family is, is, is the craziest one that you'll ever meet. And a lot of y'all are laughing and think that's funny. But if you want to talk about a dysfunctional group of people, you have to go no further than the book of Genesis. It seems like that in the book of Genesis that almost on every page that you turn to, you run into family problems, don't you? You can go all the way back to the beginning of it where Cain killed Abel, and a lot of it actually involves siblings and sibling rivalry and how that siblings didn't get along. And then you go on down and you get to Abraham and how that he couldn't have children, that he took his wife's handmaid, Hagar, and had a child named Ishmael and and. and they sent him out and sent him away, and then he had this favored son named Isaac. 
And then Isaac had two children and their names were Jacob and Esau. And we know that Esau was the one that was born first and how much of an adventure that was that, that Jacob, the man who some were about to preach about, he was actually two things. You know what Jacob was? He was a thief and a liar. Did you know that? That's what Jacob was. He stole his brother's birthright, Esau, and he lied to his father about it. And so, and these families, they were all sort of dysfunctional. But Jacob received the blessing of God. And when God blessed Abraham, he said, I'm going to make a great multitude, a great, just a great nation of people from your loins. And so we get to Jacob. And Jacob, up to this point that we are about to start into, he has 11 sons. And he'll have the 12th one uh, just a little later. He has 11 sons. Now, how many of you think that you're your parents' favorite kid? Anybody in here? Yeah, Daniel says, Brian, is that true? Daniel's your favorite kid? Don't answer that, brother, because your other kid's sitting right there. But we get to Genesis chapter 37. I want you to have your Bibles handy because I am going to read quite a bit this morning. But it says in, in, in Genesis chapter 37, if you want to read, it says in verse 3, it says, Now Israel, this is Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And as much as Jacob or Israel, and we all know that name from the nation, that's actually the man Jacob, as much as he loved his son, it says in verse number 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And, and we know that, as I've talked about, there was already a lot of sibling rivalries. There was Cain and Abel, and there was Jacob and Esau, and there was, there was all these folks and the siblings that didn't get along. But if there's one relationship that was really fractured in the Old Testament up to this point, it was Joseph and his brethren. And I can imagine that it would be hard for the brothers. I mean, I can almost level with them. Think about it, that you're, there's ten other brothers, and your father just, just actually loves and shows that he loves his, this son more than he does you. That'd be a hard spot to be in, wouldn't it? I mean, it would really would be a hard spot. And it says that his brothers hated him. But no matter how much his brothers hated him, and no matter how odd of a situation that it was, this man Joseph was not only favored by his father, but he was also favored by God. See, God had his hand on this man Joseph from the time that he was born. We don't hear much about Joseph's birth or his childhood. We have a few verses that he was born to Rachel, who was actually Jacob's favorite wife, and we'll not even get into that. Not only did he have a favorite son, listen how messed up this guy was. He had a favorite wife. Now, all of you men in here should say, well, my wife is my favorite. But what if you had four, three other wives besides her? Then what would you do? How many of you men would like to sign up to get in that line? <laughs> and what a situation that we have on our hands and a dysfunctional family but yet God is going to take all this, this seemingly this just mess that we almost have and he's going to do something good with it and he's going to work in this man's life and create something that we still have to this day and that is God's chosen people no matter who's tried to stamp them out through history, no matter how much resistance they face, God has a chosen people. The Jewish people, those are his chosen people. And now we have the church and, and we see the hand of God in Joseph's life. 
Last week I preached about how we're supposed to be faithful to God during these end times. But let me tell you this. No matter how faithful you are to God, God will always be that much more faithful to you. See, He is a faithful God. And no matter what situation that you end up in, He is there for you, and He is there with you, and He is on your side. See, we could talk about Joseph, and and that would have been a good spot to be in, to be the father's favorite son. I I mean, I would enjoy that. And he was his, his favorite son to the point that he gave him a coat of many colors, and this was probably a very expensive garment. And his brothers saw that, and they hated him. But then he started dreaming Joseph had some dreams, and he dreamed of of things of sheaves bowing down to him, and it was interpreted that his brothers would actually one day serve him. And so you move on down, and if you have your Bibles handy, and on down in Genesis chapter 37, the brothers start to conspire with each other. And it says in verse 18, And when they saw him afar off, Joseph is coming to see his brethren in the field. It says, Even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now for and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. So these brothers, they all got together, all ten of them. Benjamin wasn't present. And the ten other brothers got together. And they said, you know what? We'll show this guy. We'll kill him. We'll just take him out. And and, and my, how, how different the story would go in the Bible had Joseph been killed that day. But I want you to understand, ten on one, they could have taken him out like that, couldn't they? But they decided not to do that. And they decided not to do that because of the providence of God. Now Joseph's life is is pretty good up to this point. And Joseph can be a representation of of just about anybody and maybe even a Christian person How that that one day that you can be just living your life, doing your thing. You know, you can just be going out to the field. That was a representation of Joseph going to work that day. And then all of a sudden something just comes out of nowhere and happens to him that he doesn't expect. Does that ever happen to anybody in here? Yeah? No? Maybe? When you live your life and and things are going well, then all of a sudden it just seems like you just get hit by a freight train out of nowhere. And the same thing happened to Joseph. The brothers, they grabbed him and and they tied him up and they threw him in a pit and they were going to kill him later. But by God's providence, it says that they were in verse 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. And it says later on in verse 28, that then there passed by some Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they bought Joseph or brought Joseph into Egypt. And this was a terrible place. Joseph was 17 years old. Daniel, you're 17, aren't you? So this is a young guy, just about to get started in life. He's not married. He doesn't have any children. Life's just going, going well for him. And then all of a sudden, he goes from being his father's favorite son to being a slave in one day. He is sold. And this situation, no doubt, did not make any sense whatsoever 
to Joseph. It was just just out of the blue that, that he was working one day, doing what he was supposed to be doing, doing what his father told him to do, and he ended up in what seemed like a dire situation. And so you go on down the road, and they take him to Egypt. And these Ishmaelites take him to Egypt. And it says that they sell him to a man named Potiphar. And then Joseph is sold as a slave to a man named Potiphar. So if you turn your Bible over to the next chapter, Genesis chapter number 38. Or Genesis chapter 39, I'm sorry. It kind of skips a chapter. It's, it's a little strange. It says in verse 1 of chapter 39, and it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Now this is very important. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, And over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. So we see that this young man was just minding his own business, serving God, and was taken into Egyptian captivity. And then he was sold into a slave market. And he, was, he didn't understand this completely. But it said this, and it's very important that we note that when Joseph was sold and bought by Potiphar, that it said what? That the Lord was with him. That even though that Joseph's situation had changed, he had went from the land of Canaan, the land that, that God was in and God's people were in, even though there weren't very many of them, and God had prospered Jacob and they were doing well, and that even though everything was going great, that Joseph had changed situations, but God was still there. And that God blessed this man Potiphar so much on Joseph's account that he put him in charge of everything. And so Joseph's life, he was, it was going in a, on an upward trajectory and then he was sold into slavery and it heads back down. And so we see him in charge of this man's house. So really, I guess if you're going to be a slave, it would be an okay consolation prize to be in charge of everything that your master has, Right? That wouldn't be too bad. I mean, he, he, he probably wasn't chained up. He probably wasn't mistreated. He was probably fed well and clothed well and all these things. And it says that Joseph's life was going good. Why? Because God was with him and God was on his side. And that's how that this man prospered. And everything's going great until one day Potiphar's wife decides, Hey, that guy is pretty good looking. This guy, the Lord has favored him, and and I think that I want to have a relationship with him. And so Potiphar's wife approaches Joseph one day, and it says that she begins to, to ask him to do ungodly things with her. And Joseph, it says this, that he would he would ignore her. It says that he refused 
to lie with her. And so she keeps on and she keeps on and she keeps on until finally one day Joseph just walks in and there's no other people in the house. And she actually physically takes a hold of Joseph. And Joseph did what he was supposed to do. Now I'll be honest with you, a lot of folks in that situation would have done just the opposite of what Joseph did. See, Joseph was a slave. Joseph did not ask to be where he was. Joseph was, was just in a, far away from his family and longed to see his father. And he was in a bad situation. He thought, what a better way to get back at this guy than to take his wife away from him. But it says that Joseph ran, and he ran so fast that he actually, she took his coat and, and kind of ripped it off of him and had it in her hand. And so she goes to her husband and she says, look what this guy did to me. Now you see up to this point, has Joseph committed a sin? Has Joseph done anything to make you think that he's less than a godly person? So his life was on the upward trajectory. He was again just minding his own business, not doing anything wrong. And then now he goes from being a slave to being a slave in prison. Verse 20 of chapter 39, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. So Joseph goes from being with his family to not, not having a bad job as a slave, and now he ends up in Egyptian prison. And again, right there, this is the second time in Joseph's life that it seems like that things have taken a turn for the worse. These are not just that he was having a bad day. Now this was not this that he couldn't get his hair fixed like he wanted to and, and it's going to be okay tomorrow. This was that Joseph literally in, in two, on two different occasions had his life completely turned upside down. It wasn't just minor things. It was major life events. And I, at this point, probably would have been to my wit's end and said, God, I am serving you what is going on here. And a lot of times we have a tendency to question God when our life turns upside down, don't we? Anybody ever, you face things, and, and you don't have to raise your hand, but ask yourself this question. Have, have you ever questioned God and where he was in your life and why in the world you were having to go through what you were going through? See, a lot of times folks think if they'll live a godly life and they'll do what they're supposed to and they live righteous, that everything is going to be great. But the Bible never says that anywhere. You can't find that anywhere in, in the Bible. And we see this man, Joseph, who is yet to, to have sinned and we don't have record of anything that he has done wrong. And yet every time that he turns around, it seems like that when things are going well, that suddenly he gets put in prison or he gets shipped off into slavery and things just kind of fall apart in his life. These are things that he, he didn't ask for, things that he didn't do anything to deserve this, but yet they still happened. And yet through it all, Joseph was a man of integrity. And we see that, that God was with Joseph when he went into slavery. And in verse 21 of chapter 39, it says this. Again, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hands because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, what happened? The Lord made it to prosper. So again, we get to the prison. We go from Potiphar's house to the prison. And guess who is still there but God? Joseph just didn't get out of prison when God showed up. It would have been nice if God would have showed up on the scene and and Potiphar's wife would have been exposed and, and he would have been restored to his rightful place. But that's not how God always works. Do you understand that? That even though that somebody does wrong to you, Joseph was done wrong. Would you say amen right there? I mean, Joseph was done really wrong. I mean, that was the worst I could, I could think of. Somebody accusing you of that, and then you get thrown in prison without a trial, without anything. Joseph was done wrong. But yet God didn't immediately write that wrong. God didn't just pluck him out of prison and say, Hey, my folks are not going to suffer at the hands of others. God left him in prison. Think about that. God left Joseph in prison. God left Joseph in the hands of the slave traders, in the hand of Potiphar. And all these things, God actually left him there, but it said that God never left him. That no matter where Joseph was, no matter what situation he was in, that God was there with him and he was well favored in the sight of God. And so he stays there and Joseph is in prison for several years. And finally, a butler and a baker show up. And that sounds kind of like a nursery rhyme to me, don't it, you? Any, anybody remember that nursery rhyme? So every time I read that, it's in the back of my mind. Some of you are too old to remember that, I guess. And the butler and the baker show up. And it says that they dream dreams, and Joseph actually interprets these dreams. And to make a long story short, Joseph, what his interpretation was, was right. And it says that the butler was restored to Pharaoh's house. And then we have another character introduced into this story, and that is Pharaoh. He's the head of the Egyptian government. He's the most powerful man in the world at this time. And it says that his, his butler was restored back to him. And we won't read it all, but Joseph sits there and he tells the butler, he said, hey, hey butler, since I interpreted your dream correctly, could you put in a good word for me? And I believe that this is the first time that we hear any, any sort of complaint, just a little bit out of Joseph, that, that I don't really want to be in prison. And if you could, could you tell somebody that I'm here and it's wrong that I'm here and, and get me out of here? And the butler said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then guess what happens to Joseph? We would like to say that the butler went to Pharaoh and said, hey, that guy Joseph, he's an innocent man. But it says that he forgot Joseph. And that he just kind of ignored Joseph and, he, and he, he just wanted to live for himself and live for Pharaoh. And so he goes back to Pharaoh's house and two years later, finally, Joseph is remembered. Now God is always at work. Do you understand that? Always at work. Joseph was sent into slavery when he was 17 years old. Where we're about to be in the story, and we're going to skip a few chapters, and and I'm trying to save time here. Joseph is is 30 years old. Thirteen years have passed in his life. Now, could you imagine this? That for 13 years of your life, you're you're a slave or you're in prison. 
one of the two. Neither one of which are a good situation. And no doubt, I would be losing heart. I would be saying, God, what are you doing in my life? But we never see Joseph's question. So Pharaoh begins to have dreams. And God begins to work on Pharaoh's end. And as we skip over to chapter number 41, skip over with me. Pharaoh dreams about some ears of corn and about some cattle. And Joseph tells him that there's going to be a great famine. And verse, I'm going to read verse chapter 41 and verse 9. It says, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream, and one night I and he, he dreamed each, and he dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was a, with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, it was so me and he restored unto mine office, and he hanged or killed. And so we see the first real break that Joseph's ever about to get in his life came when he was 30 years old. Things up until this point in Joseph's life for the last 13 years, he's in a prison and, and, and you think, well, God's with him and, and things are going well. But it says that, that Joseph may have been in, a, in kind of a bad spot. It says in verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh begins to tell Joseph his dreams. And they came to pass. And, and Joseph tells Pharaoh what's about to happen. And there's about to be a terrible famine in the land. For seven years they're going to be good. And then for seven years they're going to be bad. So what Joseph gets to tell Pharaoh is, Hey, things are going to be alright for a while. And then things are going to take another turn for the worse. Now if I'm Joseph, I'm sitting here thinking, Why in the world am I going to have to go through all this? And now I'm going to have to be down here in Egypt while they're starving to death. Seven years of famine. And he predicted all this. And told Pharaoh all of these things. But yet he told Pharaoh what to do. And now we'll read about Joseph's promotion. It says, it, and it was good, verse 37. I'm trying to get through this as quick as I can. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Joseph was prepared for this moment. Joseph had been living in, in Egypt for 13 years just so that Pharaoh could ask that question, can we find someone in whom the Spirit of God is? And so Pharaoh promotes Joseph. And Pharaoh in verse 44 said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, and he gave him a wife, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So finally, we see that Joseph starts in Potiphar's house, and then he goes to the prison, and now where's he made it to? He's made it to the palace, hadn't he? 
And he gets promoted and he's Pharaoh's right hand man. Now I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. From here on out, Joseph is going to have a good life. Joseph is going to be favored and Joseph is going to do great things. But you've got to understand this. This is one of the morals of the story right here. And this is what we need to see. That it wasn't always instant that good things happened to Joseph. It took years and years and years and years for Joseph to get to that point where he was. But during that entire time, during that 13 years, guess what? God never forgot Joseph. And you may be dealing with things that you've never dealt with and, and we're all dealing with things that we've never dealt with and we, we seem to think that, that things are happening and things are spiraling out of control. And Joseph no doubt thought the same thing. But remember, if you're saved and if you're in God's favor and the Spirit of God is in you, that God has not forgotten where you are. God knows exactly where you're at and what you are going through. And in fact, you may be in the situation that you're in, whatever that may be, because God wants you in that situation. Now, it was a bad thing that Joseph was a slave, right? But God put him in that situation, didn't he? It was a bad thing that Joseph was in prison, but God put him there. But yet God never forgot him. God knew exactly what what was going to need to happen. And I think what happens in our lives is we get so caught up in the moments. See, we think of our lives in minutes, hours, days, weeks, and occasionally years, right? I don't, I don't really plan for 20 years down the road. I don't think about that. But, but we plan maybe a week in advance, a month in advance, and we try to get everything to line up right so we can, we can have our little life the way that we want it. But the thing about God is He does not think in minutes, days, weeks, or years. God thinks in, in millennia. He may think in centuries. God thinks in eternity. And so when God looks at your life, He's not just seeing the time that you're facing right now. God sees from beginning to end. He sees your entire life for what it was, what it is now, and what it will be eventually. And God has a place that He wants you to go. And God has a plan for your life. And God had a plan for Joseph's life. You see that that during this entire time, these 13 years that Joseph has been down in Egypt, guess who's back in, in the land of Canaan? His family, right? We have Jacob and his 11 brothers. And the famine does come just as Joseph predicted. And his family back in Canaan, they get in a tight spot. And so in chapter 42, and and I won't read this, but Joseph looks out one day and guess who is out there but his brothers. Now this is what separates Joseph from many people. We saw that Joseph reacted well in Potiphar's house. He could have escaped. He could have left. He could have cut out of town. He he reacted well in the prison and he was made head over the prison. But could you imagine that you're the second guy in charge in Egypt and suddenly the guys that sent you to this awful place to start with were standing there looking at you? What would you do? What would you do? Carl, would you have been a great guy and said, and said, oh, hey, give those guys corn? Or would you say, hey, soldiers, why don't you take those guys and go ahead and just take their head off about their shoulders and let that be the end of them? Would you have done that, Tanner? 
Come on, I'm putting you on the spot. Would you have done that? Be real with me. Don't lie. You're in church. Everybody's looking at you. What would you have done? You'd probably took their heads off, wouldn't you? Now Tanner's going to act all spiritual and say, No, I'd I'd have took care of them brothers. That's how he would have said it too. And so after all these years, he's looking at these guys. And they don't recognize him. Joseph looks like an Egyptian now. And he's speaking the Egyptian language. And so he, he fills their, their sacks up and sends them back home. But he inquired about their family. And he said, hey, is your father still alive? How, do you all have any more brothers? And he starts asking questions. And so they go back home. And they take their stuff back and he actually refunds their money. That's how you know the guy was in God's favor, right? When he refunded their money to them and just gave it back and sent them back. And so they run out of corn and they come back again. And so Joseph, eventually, after he does put them in prison, by the way, for just a little while, for just a month or two, maybe that was his, maybe that was his one sin, is he punished his brothers a little bit. And then finally... We move on over, and, and this is almost the end of it. I want you to turn to chapter 45. Joseph tells his brothers, he says that the way y'all are going to get out of prison, he put ten of them in prison, or nine of them. He says, you're going to bring Benjamin to me. You're going to bring the youngest brother. And they all come back, and they show up, and they're standing in front of Joseph. And verse 45 says, and then Joseph, or verse 1 of chapter 45 says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him. They were speechless. They were dumbfounded. For they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to prepare you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph is able to see the whole plan. And I believe that Joseph may not have seen that entire plan until he looked over that day, that first day, and saw his brother standing there needing corn. And he thought, and maybe the plan of God came together that day. And Joseph said, hey, I know why I'm in this Egyptian palace. I know why I was sold into slavery because God wants to save my family. God wants me to bring my family to Egypt and to feed them and to take care of them. And so Joseph tells his brothers, he says, brothers, I'm going to give you corn and I want you to go get dad and bring him back to Egypt. And sure enough, they go back home, they go back to the land of Canaan, and Joseph sends just an entourage of people to make sure that his father travels back in comfort. 
And for years and years and years, Joseph gets to see his brother, brothers and his father live in the land of Egypt with him. And he is reunited with his family. And then guess what? It all begins to make sense. And then Jacob dies. And the brothers in chapter 50, you know what they said? Joseph's been so good to them all these years. And Joseph revealed the plan of God to them and said, Hey, I'm here for a reason and you are here for a reason. We're all in this situation for a reason. And Joseph reveals it and it seems like they still don't get it. Even though somebody may tell you or be able to reveal unto you why God has put you in the situation that you're in, don't give up on it. Don't don't just, just throw it off to the side. Believe what God says. Amen? God, God put Joseph there for a purpose, and God put his brothers and his father there for a purpose, and it was to preserve life. It was to preserve the way of God. It was to preserve faith in God. See, these are the only people almost on the face of the earth that believe in the same God that we do. Did you know that? It was basically Jacob and his family that believed God. All those other brothers that we talked about earlier, the Ishmaelites and and, and Esau, they all kind of went their way and did their thing. But God had a godly heritage, a, a line of men that would have children, and His name was preserved by these people. And you know that, that you may be in whatever situation you're in just so that you can preserve the faith in God that you have or so that you can pass it on to your family so that, that people can literally be saved. Did you know that? That's why Joseph, I like the way that they said that in chapter 50 verse 20. I'll read it again, our, our original text. It says, but as for you, talking to his brethren, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. It says, to bring to pass it is, is, as it is this day to save much people alive. He was talking about physical life. He was about to preserve these men's lives. But God may have put you in the situation you're in to save lives too. To save lives from hell. To save people that, that otherwise wouldn't know who you were unless you're in the situation that you're in right now. See, if, you, if your life gets flipped upside down, you may be around people you're never around any other case. And God may have put you in that situation just to preserve life. So you see in the life of Joseph and all these things that have transpired, I, I tell you, I couldn't have handled it. I know I couldn't have. I would like to stand up here as the pastor of the church and said that I would have handled every situation as well as Joseph did, but I don't think I would have. Why? Because I know me. I don't think that many of you could stand in, in the situations that Joseph stood in and stood in his shoes and, done, and did the things that he did and remained as godly and as faithful as he did. I don't think we could have done it. Amen? You think you could have? It would be hard. But yet no matter what Joseph faced, no matter how bad that things were, what do we see at work all the time? The hand of God. We're here for a purpose, and we're here for a reason. Joseph was there for a purpose, and you're here on a purpose too. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, and I thank you for this wonderful story, Lord, that we were able to unfold this morning. And Lord, I thank you that you gave us the godly example of Joseph and how that we ought to model our lives like 
like him that no matter what he faced, no matter where life took him, Lord, that he never turned his back on you. Lord, he never questioned you. And God, I just pray that that with situations going on in this church this morning, Lord, people are, are dealing with things that may not be prison, Lord, it may not be being sold into slavery or whatever it may be. But God, people are dealing with things that they don't want to deal with. God, we're, we're in situations that we don't want to be in sometimes. But God, I just pray that you would show people how faithful you are. And that, Lord, that we could not just look and, and measure in minutes and days and hours, but God, that we could see that, that you... Have our whole life, Lord, in mind. God, I just pray that we would never lose our faith and, Lord, that we would never give up. God, I understand it's hard and I know that people are in hard situations, but, God, there's nothing too hard for you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.